Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is Primetime Politics on CPAC, the Vote 2021 edition. It's day 16 of the election campaign, with the main party leaders focused on Quebec and Ontario, with promises about taxes on the ultra-rich, promises about animal protection, and promises about climate change. Coming up, candidates will be here to debate the climate change platforms, and we'll also dig deeper into those promises on climate change with a couple of policy experts. But first, the day on the campaign trail. He's the star. He's he is Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole campaigned in King City in the riding of King Vaughan. A riding in Ontario, the Conservatives lost to the Liberals by 911 votes in the last election. And one of those all-important ridings in the greater Toronto area that will determine the fortunes of both the Liberals and the Conservatives. At a dog sanctuary, O'Toole promised a Conservative government would ban puppy mills and add animal cruelty as an aggravating factor in domestic violence prosecutions. When it comes to animal abuse, we know criminals who hurt animals don't stop with animals. There is an established link between cruelty to animals and violence towards humans. This link makes it critically important that cruelty towards animals be taken seriously by law enforcement and by all Canadians. O'Toole faced questions today about his climate plan and whether his own candidates actually support it after a veteran Conservative MP, Cheryl Gallant, went online to warn the Liberals are planning a climate lockdown. She was later told by the party to remove the postings. Today, Aaron O'Toole insisted all his candidates are on side. Every single person running as a Conservative candidate is committed to our five-pillar pan to get the country back on its feet and get people working. It includes climate change and our commitment to meet our Paris reductions, get emissions down while getting the, the country back to work. And our caucus will be focused on Canada's recovery, every single person. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau began the day in Granby, Quebec, before heading to Iqaluit. Granby's in the riding of Shefford, a riding in Quebec currently held by the Bloc Québécois but the latest polling shows the Liberals have a real shot at adding this riding to the win column on election night. Trudeau promised a re-elected Liberal government would invest $1 billion over 10 years to protect or restore freshwater lakes and rivers. Canada has a responsibility to be a world leader and invest in freshwater research. Unlike the Conservative government of Stephen Harper who tried to dismantle this kind of work, we believe in attracting top scientists from around the world and staying on the cutting edge of research. We're making the choice to fund science because we're a government that believes in science. Frankly, I think we all know it's not good news for the environment or for research if the Conservative Party takes Canada back. Trudeau also faced questions about the government's purchase and support of the Trans Mountain Pipeline and how that squares with the more aggressive Liberal targets for cutting greenhouse gas emissions. He said the key is regulating overall emissions from the oil and gas sector. The biggest concern that people have around the pipeline is, oh, we're going to see oil sands expansion. No, we're not. We're not going to see an increase in those emissions. And that's really important. We need to work with the industry to make sure that we are decreasing the carbon emissions 
per barrel because that is the path forward, but the industry knows that. I'm hanging out with some incredible candidates. I want to introduce you to all of them. Starting over here. Yes. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh campaigned in Ottawa before heading to British Columbia. Singh focused on his promise to bring in a tax of 1% on wealth over $10 million. A two-point increase in the tax rate on annual incomes of more than $210,000 and a 15% tax on corporations that earned big profit windfalls during the pandemic. Singh says the additional tax revenues would help pay for NDP promises of universal pharmacare and dental care. And if we started making sure that the super wealthy just paid their fair share, paid what they should be paying, we could invest in the solutions that people need. We could invest in healthcare. We could tackle the housing crisis. We could do so much more. So people want to see that happen. I think we're in a different time now and people are more open to this, and people want to see this happen. And we are the party saying we can do it. Jagmeet Singh has made clear his opposition to the Trans Mountain Pipeline. But today he suggested an NDP government would not immediately scrap the project. Well, it's clear I've, I've been opposed to this project. I've been exposed to the expansion. And a new Democrat government would never have purchased it. Uh, when it comes to decisions that governments have to make, you need to know the assets and know the information before you make a decision in terms of what's in the best interest of Canadians. And I think that's prudent and, and smart governance. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchette spent the day campaigning in Montreal. He was focused today on Quebec's demands for more control over immigration and promising to press those demands in the federal parliament. Lots of water today, buddy. Yeah. And that's the kind of day it's been, day 16 of the federal election campaign. So climate change playing an important role on the campaign trail today. In a moment, I'll speak with three candidates about that. But first, let's take a look at the key climate proposals from each of the main parties. And keep in mind, governments in Canada have a poor track record on emissions reductions. They actually increased uh, by over 3% between 2016 and 2019. So let's look at the platforms. The Liberals would stop any further growth of greenhouse gas emissions from the oil and gas sector. That's the promise. They have set a new target to cut overall emissions by 40 to 45 percent below 2005 levels by 2030. They would gradually increase the carbon tax to $170 a tonne by 2030. The Liberals introduced a bill passed by Parliament to set emissions targets and provide progress reports. What about the Conservative platform? That climate plan promises to cut greenhouse gas emissions by 30% below 2005 levels by 2030. The Conservative plan rejects more ambitious targets. On carbon pricing, it would be capped at $50 a tonne. Conservatives would also divert the carbon taxes to individual low-carbon savings accounts to be used for green purchases, energy retrofits, and transit passes. $5 billion would be invested in carbon capture, utilization, and storage. Like the Liberals, the New Democrats promise a target of net zero emissions by 2050. The NDP promises a 50% reduction in emissions below 2005 levels by 2030. A Climate Accountability Office to ensure targets are being met. Companies would have to pay taxes on emissions exceeding 70% of the average emissions in their industry. NDP proposes a green jobs plan for workers transitioning from fossil fuel industries. And the Green Party's climate plan commits Canada to a 60% reduction of greenhouse gas emissions below 2005 levels by 2030, an end to all oil and gas exploration projects, new pipelines and fracking, retraining and resettlement programs for fossil fuel workers, 
a national energy retrofit program and ramping up green energy investments aimed at 100% of electricity coming from renewable sources by 2030. Well, few Canadians know more about the effects of climate these days than the people of British Columbia. Let's bring in three candidates who represent uh, those people. I'm joined this evening by Patrick Weiler. He's the Liberal candidate for re-election in the uh, BC riding of West Vancouver, Sunshine Coast, Sea to Sky Country. Dan Albus is the Conservative candidate for re-election in the BC riding of Central Okanagan, Similkameen Nicola. He was his party's environment critic in the last Parliament. And Laurel Collins is the NDP candidate for re-election in the riding of Victoria. She was the party's environment critic in the last Parliament as well. Good to see you all. Thanks for being here. Uh, Mr. Albus, let me start with you. Aaron O'Toole today defended his decision to stay with the target for greenhouse gas emissions reductions of 30% below 2005 levels by 2030. Those were the Stephen Harper targets. They are now far less ambitious than any of the other parties and below uh, the 40 to 45% reductions Canada is now committed to at the United Nations. So I guess I'm wondering if you win government, will you just uh, wipe away those new targets uh, that Canada's offered to the United Nations and stay with the, the 30% cut? Let's go back to 2015 when those targets were brought to Paris. Those targets were actually negotiated by all provinces and territories. And so this is something that Justin Trudeau as prime minister uh, has failed to do is to consult with provinces and territories. They actually have tremendous powers and jurisdiction in the area of energy, transportation, agriculture, housing. And so Aaron O'Toole has said, we're gonna take a different approach. Rather than suddenly tripling a carbon tax without any consultation or bumping, and let's bear in mind that in May 2021, when they had their budget, it said they were going to bump it to 36%. Then they said two or three days later that they were going to bump it to 40 to 45%. And Jonathan Wilkinson, the minister, couldn't even answer basic questions as to how they were going to do that. So look, Mr. Trudeau always puts these sky-high rhetoric, big targets, but when it comes to climate change, he's never met a, a target. When it comes okay, to so, First Nations but, drinking water, so you're gonna, he hasn't been able to deliver. So if you win government, you roll those targets back to the, the, those previous targets, not the new ones well, Canada's committed the ones to. That okay. the provinces and territories have said that right. they agree with, and we will work with them cooperatively. Okay, Mr. Weiler, uh, look, the, the Liberals have set the bar higher for emissions cuts, 40 to 45%, but uh, look, here's the reality. No government in this country has ever hit the targets uh, anywhere at any time. In fact, emissions have increased increased by more than 3% between 2016 and 2019. Uh, your government uh, owns an emissions-causing pipeline now. So why is it a more ambitious target? Uh, why is it anything more than another target to be missed? Well, I think that's why it's so important that we passed uh, the Net Zero Accountability Act earlier this year, because this piece of legislation requires not only government to, to set ambitious targets, but also to have a detailed plan and to report on it regularly on the way there. Uh, and so actually our, our new uh, greenhouse gas reduction target of 40 to 45 percent below 2005 levels is now the law in Canada um, that, that's going to bind our action going forward. Um, and, you know, with the policies that we brought in so far through the Strength and Climate Plan announced last December and through measures that are already budgeted uh, this year, uh, we're already on track to be 36 percent below 2005 levels. But with the promises that we've made as part of the campaign platform yesterday, including um, ambitious action to show how the oil and gas sector is going to steadily decrease their emissions in five-year increments, to having a clean electricity grid by 2035, a fully clean one, um, to continued investments in things like uh, electric vehicles and charging stations across the country, and funding for, for, uh, for the provinces where 
they're going to be um, more significantly affected by this energy transformation right. with the Just Transition Act okay. and uh, Just Transition legislation. Let, let me move to uh, uh, Laurel Collins. Uh, Laurel Collins, the NDP platform, has a cut in emissions of 50% by 2030. And uh, given the failure to meet all past targets, why should voters put, I suppose, any faith in that province? So they I promise they hear lots of targets that targets don't get met. So why the NDP plan? Yeah, you know, it has been consecutive liberal and conservative governments who have missed every single climate target that we've set. And honestly, we are the only G7 country whose emissions have been rising. Other countries do this. This is not impossible. It is not inevitable. It's because of the choices that this government and governments before have made. We have committed to cutting emissions in half by 50% because that is what the global scientific consensus is saying is necessary. The IPCC report says we need to make this happen. And we have a plan that not only invests in the critical climate solutions that we know are so desperately needed right now and invests at the scale that matches the crisis, but also we're saying no to a lot of the things that we know we have to say no to that this government has been doing over the past six years. And that is increasing fossil fuel subsidies year after year, giving away billions of dollars to profitable oil and gas companies. Okay. Uh, Mr. Albus, look, the, the, you know, the party had to shut down Cheryl Gallant over the weekend, a, a longtime MP and candidate for re-election in Renfrew, Nipissing, Pembroke in Ontario for promoting uh, conspiracy theories that the Liberals are planning a climate lockdown. Uh, do you believe the Liberals are planning a climate lockdown to try and achieve their emissions targets? Well, what I believe right now is the Liberal Party hasn't been frank with Canadians. Justin Trudeau has never made a climate target. He's made promises to First Nation communities on drinking water that he hasn't made. And he also made promises uh, on being, uh, you know, a, a, a prudent spender. And he's done in anything but. No, but do, so do you think the notion of do you think the notion plan, of a climate we, lockdown is a real thing? So in Canada's recovery plan, we have a, a secure the environment platform. It is something that every single one of our candidates has signed on to. If someone doesn't like a part of it, uh, they shouldn't be a candidate. So we are focused on it. This plan has actually been uh, validated and verified by Navius Research out of Vancouver. It works and to, tries to build off many things from British Columbia. I'm very proud of that. So everything from electric vehicle mandate to a low carbon fuel standard uh, to a renewable natural gas standard using smart regulations, coupled with carbon pricing, we can make this happen, but we can't do it by using divisive political pledges like Mr. Trudeau has done. He's jumped these targets without even consulting with premiers. All right, That's wrong. Premiers and provinces should be partners, not punching bags. But this prime minister seems to be giving certain provinces treatment uh, and other provinces like Saskatchewan a different uh, a different part uh, or a different deal. Okay, so Mr. Okay, we'll I got one on climate change to make it happen. All right, okay, we we got to move along here, Mr. Weiler. The Liberal climate plan also includes a, a pledge to cap emissions from the oil uh, the oil sector. You touched on it. Is the plan to shut the sector down or to force the sector to accelerate green innovations? Because if the sector's uh, greatly reduced, other oil producing nations will move in to fill that demand. So what's the ultimate goal here? I mean, the ultimate goal here is to reduce emissions in Canada and emissions from the oil and gas sector are our largest source of emissions right now. And no credible climate plan could simply ignore that. Uh, and so that's what setting these five year um, decreasing um, strategy and targets for these sectors is, is going to be so key for. Um, does you know, it, does it, uh, sorry, let me just, uh, does it also include reducing the fossil fuel subsidies they receive? 
Uh, well, we've already uh, we've already eliminated eight of the fossil fuel subsidies. There there are some that continue to exist, like uh, subsidies for indigenous um, peoples in rural areas that don't have other sources of electricity. So it's important that they're still able to heat their homes. Um, and we've we've made the commitment with all of our OECD partners to eliminate all inefficient all inefficient rather fossil fuel subsidies by 2025, and we remain on track to do just that. All right, Laurel Collins, your leader Jagmeet Singh uh, was pressed again today whether an NDP government would scrap the TMX pipeline project. Uh, he's on the record saying he's opposed to it, but now he's saying, uh, you know, look, if we get into government, we'll have to evaluate the project before making any decisions about its future. So sort of leaving open the possibility that uh, an NDP government could live with a TMX pipeline. Um, how can you, you know, given the, the vocal opposition of the project we've heard, if you ultimately decide to keep it, and can you still claim to be serious about climate change? We have always been opposed to the TMX. Uh, the expansion project does not make sense. It is a economic disaster. The government's own watchdog has been telling us that this does not make economic sense. It's also an environmental disaster. We know that it uh, would increase the tanker traffic off of our coast sevenfold. We continue to be opposed to this uh, pipeline. It is this government, the Liberals, who declared a climate emergency one day and then approved the Trans Mountain Expansion Project the next. They bought this pipeline for $4.6 billion, now are committing an additional $16 billion to expand it. Honestly, this government, nobody trusts, oil and gas workers don't trust this government. They promised a just transition act uh, in 2019. Now they're promising it again okay. after doing okay. nothing for two years. Also, I just want to respond to Patrick's mm -hmm. comments Very about quickly. the they're eliminating fossil fuel subsidies. This is not true. That is blatantly not true. They have increased fossil fuel subsidies every single year. Okay, I need very quick answers on this next question because we're almost out of time here, so keep it very short, please. Uh, Mr. Elvis, let me start. How concerned are you about facing carbon tariffs from other countries, such as the U.S. or from the European Union, which have far more ambitious targets than Canada has, and they could slap carbon tariffs on this country if they don't like uh, emissions targets set at the 30% cut level that your parties talked about if you get into government. So how concerned are you about tariffs from other countries? So first of all, our economy is integrated with uh, the United States and the United States does not have a price on carbon. Obviously, we would have a consumer price of no more than $50. No, but Joe Biden is talking about emissions. He's talking about emissions targets of 50 plus percent. So if, if you're at 30 so, percent. So, again, you need to have an effective mechanism to be able to price what uh, what subsidies or, or lack of uh, environmental regulation is there. And that would be a price on carbon. Uh, John Kerry has told about, uh, has mentioned this, this is a challenge for them because they don't have a carbon price. We do in Canada, we'll keep it low at $50 versus Justin Trudeau wants to raise it to 170. But look, we, we conservatives have okay. the best record when it comes to trade. We will work with the Americans. We will work with the Europeans because at the end of the okay, day... Okay, got to stop you there. Mr. Mr. Weiler, and, and Mr. Weiler, how concerned should we, should we be about tariffs if there's a lower emissions target in this country? Um, I, I think we uh, I think we should be very concerned. Uh, the the prospect of rolling back Canada's climate action to the old Harper era targets is very outdated, and I don't think it's consistent with what Canadians right across the country want us to see. We need to take ambitious action on climate, uh, and that's the plan that we have. That's why it's been endorsed by IPCC okay. scientist uh, Andrew Weaver. It's the only credible climate plan on offer in this election. All right, Laura, and Laura we need the action to create jobs. I'm getting specific answers here on the tariff question. Laurel Collins, go ahead. Should we be concerned about tariffs with lower targets? 
we should be concerned, but we should also be concerned about the fact that this government, the Liberal government, has missed every single target. And despite their big promises, despite their big talk, Canadians don't trust them. And they likely will be missing targets in the future because they aren't taking the ma the action that matches the scale of the climate crisis. All right. Thank you all. Uh, three candidates from beautiful British Columbia with their views on the climate plans tonight. Thank you all. Uh, take care. And as I always say to candidates, best of luck to all of you. We'll see you next time. Take care. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, let's get a bit of a reality check on the climate promises from the major parties. Caroline Bruyette is the manager of domestic policy at Climate Action Network Canada, and Michael Bernstein is the executive director of Clean Prosperity. Good to see you both. Um, you know, I, I think the best way to serve our viewers here might be to just go through the key parts of the party plans and broad sort of brushes uh, to give them a sense of what's on offer and how to assess the promises. So, uh, Caroline Bruyette, let me start with you. And let's look at the Liberal plan first. More ambitious targets as a focus uh, and a focus now on emissions from the oil and gas sector. How realistic is the Liberal plan? What's the biggest question left unanswered for you? As you mentioned, it's definitely interesting that for the first time, the Liberal Party of Canada is naming that big elephant in the Canadian climate policy room, which is the continued expansion of the fossil industry. So by proposing to cap um, the sector's emissions at current levels, essentially what that means is they're planning an end to expansion. But what we need to make sure is that that is synonymous with um, ending the expansion and then uh, progressively decreasing uh, production as well as exports of fossils in Canada. All right, Michael Bernstein, what's your assessment of the Liberal plan and what questions does it raise for you out of the gate? I think the plan now with the new announcements really does match the scope, uh, the scale and the speed of ambition that we're going to need to decarbonize our economy in line with what climate scientists are saying. This, this policy uses carbon pricing at its core, which for us is really the smartest and, and lowest cost policy that could be used, and then layers in a, a range of regulations and, and complementary policies. I think when it comes to still open questions, for me, probably the biggest one is how, how will the Liberal Party, if reelected, be able to work with the provinces to get the kind of emissions reductions they need in some of the areas that aren't federal jurisdiction. I'm thinking, for example, of the building sector uh, and the electricity sector as well. Okay, uh, let's, uh, Karen Bouillard, let's turn now to the Conservative platform. Aaron O'Toole's sticking to the Paris targets from 2015. He's promising uh, these individual green savings accounts to repurpose the carbon taxes into green spending. How realistic is his climate plan and what's the big question it raises? Well, I think first up, it's really important to mention that um, the Paris Agreement does not set targets that countries um, keep agreeing to. Rather, uh, it asks countries to increase their ambition every five years. And Canada's current official contribution to the Paris Agreement is that 40 to 45 percent range that was submitted by the Liberal government this summer. So what the Conservatives are actually proposing is uh, would amount to a diplomatic disaster and fails to recognize that Canada needs to do its fair share of um, the global effort to limit uh, warming to 1.5 degrees. This said, um, at Climate Action Network Canada, we evaluate that the domestic component of that fair share is a reduction of 60 percent below 2005 levels by 2030. Um, so the, that 40 to 45 percent range is still not enough. Uh, but really, uh, by promising to go back to our 2015 target, the conservative 
conservatives are denying that the world has changed a lot since then. Mr. Bernstein, the, the conservatives are getting, uh, you know, I, I suppose, credit for having a plan in this election. But let me get from you. How credible is it? Uh, how realistic? And touch on this sort of the carbon special savings accounts that they're talking about, whether you think that's got some merit or not. Yeah. yeah let me start by saying that the current plan is the strongest uh, plan that the Conservatives have ever put out. It is a credible pathway to the old Paris target of 30%. And so that is a really positive step forward for the party. The challenge is it would be a step backward from where a number of the other political parties are on this issue, and indeed where some of our allies like the United States and Europe are now at in terms of their 2030 targets. So I think the real question now is, can Aaron O'Toole and the Conservative Party build on a strong foundation where we need to see more policy, both for 2030 and even more importantly for 2050 to get to the ultimate goal, which is net zero. Mm -hmm. Now, as it pertains to the carbon pricing scheme that contains these low carbon savings accounts, uh, I am glad that Mr. O'Toole has a carbon pricing plan, but I would say the design of it really weakens the price. It means we're not going to get nearly as many emissions reductions as we might see under an alternative uh, design. All right, uh, Caroline Briette, let's look at the NDP plan. It has even more ambitious targets than the Liberals and uh, higher carbon tax levels for companies with high emissions. What's your assessment of the NDP plan and what questions it raises? Well, I was glad to see the NDP commit to uh, eliminate uh, fossil fuel subsidies immediately uh, last week, which is an important first step. One key question I have about the NDP is, uh, what's their take on fossil expansion in Canada? They've mentioned they're opposed to the expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline, but uh, what will they do about the 20 projects that are currently under evaluation under our federal uh, infrastructure assessment? So that's the first thing. The other thing I want to mention is that the NDP does one thing well, um, and it's addressing the fact that climate is first and foremost a question of justice. So really at the center of their climate engagements is upholding Indigenous rights, centering uh, climate action through reconciliation, and they're also proposing to implement an office of environmental justice, which is uh, interesting. Right. Uh, Mr. Bernstein, let me hear your assessment of the NDP plan. I think for the NDP, the key thing is that they have sent the right signals in terms of their ambition on this uh, on this front, and they really do see this and are framing it as an emergency. Um, but the trouble I have here is the substance of the policy is a little bit light. Um, perhaps this is a little bit of the fact that they're an opposition party and not in government, but there are a variety of areas where while they talk about some sweeping measures, we don't really have a sense of exactly what they would implement. And I think that's particularly true on the industrial side, where I see very few policies to help us decarbonize heavy industry, which makes up a third of our emissions. So it's quite critical. OK, uh, let's finish now with the uh, the green plan. Um, uh, it perhaps goes furthest uh, of all in emissions reduction targets and uh, shutting down, uh, down all oil and gas projects and pipelines and fracking. Uh, uh, Caroline Bouillet, how, how realistic is the green plan? Well, I do like that their target is actually Canada's fair share of the global effort to limit warming to 1.5 degrees, which is, as I said earlier, a reduction of 60% uh, below 2005 levels by 2030. However, uh, we haven't seen a substantial plan put forward by the Green Party, so it would be really great to see more detail and how they're going to get there, and then that being talked about at a national level. Uh, Mr. Bernstein? Yeah, I, I would say there's some really uh, promising signals from the Green Party, including the fact that they want to really rely heavily on carbon pricing. They've talked about border carbon adjustments. 
They've talked about uh, doing carbon capture and storage and carbon removal technologies even. So some really good hints and starts to their plan. Uh, but as Caroline says, uh, we really don't have enough details yet. All right, uh, but climate uh, change and the discussion around it uh, is taking some prominence in the campaign. I think a lot of people who uh, believe it's an important issue are happy to see the parties uh, engaged on it, presenting uh, platforms that uh, Canadians will have a chance to choose from on election day. Uh, thank you both for your time tonight to, to walk us through these and to give us your assessment. It's good to talk to you both, and we'll talk again soon. Take care. Thank you. And that's all the time we have for this campaign edition of Primetime Politics. I'm Peter Van Dusen from all of us here at CPAC. Thanks for watching. Until next time.